Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Mission Zach's Leguizama Rama, a podcast where Mission Zach uh, watch, listen, engage with, read, play one project a week starring the wonderful John Leguizamo. My name is Zachary Ruane. You might know me from um, recaps with Mission Zach Season 2 where we recap um, uh, (laughs) either Survivor Season 1 or, or, in my opinion... The other one, I can't even remember. Australian, Australian Idol, Idol season one, but that, that doesn't exist yet. You just might know that that's something we've talked about a few times. Am I allowed to pop into this intro? Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, I thought that you were doing like a standalone intro. I didn't realise that this was like you and me. No, this is both of us. Oh, hi. I would have done it on the USB. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm joined as always by my co-host Mish Witchrup. Yeah. Who you might know from? Not the original Doctor Doolittle. so um we've got a bit of a special episode for you today this is the this is the um last sort of of the mini episodes special episodes we're back at it next week uh with uh, probably american ultra mish has been like (laughs) hounding me Watch American Ultra. I don't want to watch it. I just want to get it out of the way. She loves Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> it's Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. Stewart, two people that don't have a great deal of range. Yeah. But that's not a criticism in my book. No, not at all. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but today we're doing a bit of a special episode. Before we uh, jump back into the the uh, the the rum tum tugger of watching a podcast every week. Uh, we are closing out our little uh, January break by giving you a little taste of uh, the work in progress. Um, it was a pretty full episode. Yeah. So a lot of you guys would probably think our first episode was Super Mario Brothers. That's right. That's what you'd be thinking. That was the first because one that was we put the first out. one we put out. Um, and you guys are loving it, and we love you for it. Thank you so much. But we're going to let you in on a little Mission Zacky secret. We actually recorded an episode before Super Mario Brothers. Um, more so just that Zach, so that Zach and I could get an understanding of what the fuck we were doing here. If you've been with us since recaps with Mission Zach, where we uh, watched MasterChef Australia Season 1, we knew that it took us three episodes to kind of find the tone and get the vibe. It takes more than that, but we were like, we don't want the first episode on launch of one of the biggest films of his career in terms of cult recognition. We don't want us to be finding our feet too much. We still were, and unfortunately there was a second lockdown, so we were doing it on Zoom, so we were finding our feet on that front. Mm. But what we did, what we were able to do... um, was to try and find our feet a little bit, we watched Dr. Doolittle 2. Yes. John Leguizamo plays uh, quite a racially insensitive 
uh, character? A rat. Um, uh, a rat. A rat. Um, so, yeah, we just wanted to premise this episode with this was before we'd properly delved into the legs. Um, we were still finding our feet. It's a lot of fun to listen back to. I reckon it would be. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. We don't know. Um, but, yeah, this is our pilot episode. What a great little taste. Yeah. Enjoy. Should, do we need to do spoilers attached to that? Spoilers, man. Yeah, well, yeah, that, we should just say that right now. Yeah, we should say right now that if you, if you have been jonesing to watch Dr. Doolittle 2. We, we spoil Dr. Doolittle 2. We, we spoil it real bad. I would be willing to say more so than any podcast has ever. There's we, some twists and turns in Dr. Doolittle 2. That you just don't see coming. The rat it can the, talk. It was the doctor all along. <laughs> the rat can talk and it was the doctor all along. So spoiler alert. And uh, anyway, here we go. Uh, it, uh, please enjoy the pilot episode of Mission Zack's Leguizamo Rama. Peace. I hate the word. I got, I got trust. And welcome to Mission Zack's Leguizamarama, a podcast where each week we watch one thing starring the most underrated actor in the history of the entire world, Mr. John Leguizamo. My name is Zach Ruane, who you may know from Auntie Donna, and I am joined as always by my dear friend Mish Wittrup, who you may know from... Um, uh, my appointment at h Block at Northland next week. If you work at H&R Block, you may know Mish from H&R Block, but that's not all you'll know her from <laughs> because you'll also know her from... Um, I'm not good at self-promotion, but I have been in Auntie Donna videos. You have been in Auntie uh, Donna I videos. I was in Internment, excellent web series. Uh, you were in Internment and excellent from, of course, The Leftovers. From The Leftovers, so good. Uh, God, I've just done so much, but let's not waste it all on this intro. No. <laughs> because I've done... Quite a limited amount. I, so. think, I think the gag will be <laughs> you do it and then I think something funny and we save the good ones for the... Yeah. I get it, Mish. <laughs> I get it. Oh. How are you today? I'm really good, mate. How are you doing? Um, oh, I'm no good. No, I'm good. Yeah. You're all right? Yeah. Okay, um, cool. Cause... We, we were talking about this uh, on um, another podcast when we were wrapping up... Uh, our old podcast recaps with Mission Zach about um, z- when uh, when you done mostly Zoom podcasts. I don't know if we mm. talked about this in on like did we record this or was this just a conversation we had? I can't remember. It was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've genuinely I've blocked out so much of that period of our lives. I love it. Just like that that um, most people have. Like a concept of what they're going to do with their podcast. They have a real, like, drive, a real, like, <laughs> point. And literally, I don't know, uh, in our, we catch up, we, we allocate about four hours for our one-hour podcast. And then somewhere in that four hours, yeah. we press record. Yeah, there's so, like, honestly, other than the research we have to do for whatever film, TV show that we're watching at that particular week, um, and a couple of bits and pieces with social media. Zach and I do zero planning for this podcast. Like today, coming in here, we had a set time that we were meant to meet. Zach was running 10 minutes late. So he rushed into the podcast studio, gave me a cookie, which was really nice, moved at about 1.5 speed for about three minutes, setting up the podcast, and then hit record. 
Like, we haven't really even talked about how we are, what we're doing with our days. We made a decision uh, to to try to to bottle, bottle (laughs) the energy because what would happen is we would come in for recaps uh, and then we would <laughs> proceed to have about a two-hour conversation before we recorded about our innermost thoughts and feelings. My big worry, though, is is that that, that we're going to get a little, uh, babe, babe, you deserve better. <laughs> if we record, because that was our theory, it was like, we're going to come in and we're going to press record mm-hmm. and whatever we need to talk about. Yeah. We will. We're going to capture the gold, the lightning. But what you guys don't realise is that there's not a lot of gold. It's about four hours of babe, babe, babe. It's going to be okay. But You're actually, worth more than this. Actually, and that's then maybe, a really good point. Actually, because um, when I think about, yeah, and then forty five minutes of actual gold, but four hours of waffly balls. Very waffly. <laughs> anyway, I, I think the theory is we're trying to record the forty minutes, mm. but it's like. You know seams. You know where. You know how in the olden days they used to mine for gold and they would find gold nuggets. Yes. Whereas now I used to live in Ballarat. You know it. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> now they find like big rocks with gold seams in it, and they crumble it, and they have ways of extracting the gold. Okay. It, us trying to find the forty minutes of gold in our four hours and make that the podcast. Yeah. Uh, would would involve, I think. Recording all four hours and then having an editor comb through it, pick out the 40 minutes and then add in 30 minutes to give it... Con- it's just not worth yeah, it. Yeah, that's just not worth it. So we're just going to record the first hour of our waff- waffly bullshit and so hopefully, you, you, hopefully you get a couple of little gems, little gemstones. We're just hoping to up the, uh, the reca- recaps. Of course, our old podcast, we're just hoping to up the, um, the uh, percentage from... You know, I think it's about 8% gold on recaps. Yeah. We believe, we have confidence that over this fiscal year, we can get um, Leguizamarama up to 11. 11. That's our goal, for sure. Because, you know, you see a lot of people trying to get pure gold all the way through. But, I mean, we've got a real leg up on this particular episode because nothing says gold like 1998's version of Dr. Doolittle. That was the, sorry, that was the best segue Really? I've I'm so heard. bad at segues. I think anyone that's listened to this podcast I've gotten knows so both of us are bad at segues. I've gotten so much better at this. Very good. And yeah. look, we're five minutes in and we're talking <laughs> about the movie. I think it's pretty good. Um, should we just admit now mm-hmm. when we recorded this podcast, just for context rather than trying to hide it for yeah, the whole look, thing? Because this isn't going to be... The first episode released of Mission Zach's Lake Bazaarama. This so, will not be the first episode you hear, and if it is, why, why have you coming st- in here? Why are you coming in here? Go back to the start. Why are you going? Oh yeah, Doctor Doolittle <laughs> and no famous. Guest. That would mean if someone's listening to this first, it means that they don't know who you and I are, and they searched in their podcast app, <laughs> Doctor Doolittle. <laughs> I wonder if there's any podcasts talking about. Um, Do you think there's been a podcast that's talked about this this movie before? Uh, maybe. But I am pretty confident, I'm pretty confident mm. that no one has talked about this movie <laughs> through the prism of John Leguizamo's role as rat number two. Yeah, that's true. I don't think anyone has gone. What a unique concept. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so it, we should say, we should sort of state off the bat, 
This is, yes, whatever episode in the run that you're listening to, but this is our pilot episode. Yeah. For us, this was the first one we ever recorded. Yeah. And Zach and I came up with the idea for Leguizamarama ages ago now. Which I'm sure you heard all about in the first episode. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Um, but we figured it would it was best to kind of do a, do a movie like Dr. Doolittle where we can kind of find our feet, kind of get an idea of how this podcast is going to go because, like we said previously, Zach and I don't have the emotional ability to plan for something like this. Here's the thing. We don't have the emotional ability to plan mm-hmm. or the work ethic to edit. So... <laughs> So what we record is what you we're get. We're really people are like, "Oh my god, you and Zach are such a great team." We're really not. No, so we're good friends, but we shouldn't work together. A good team has someone in there that drives it along. Um, this is I don't think I think if you were to actually listen to any of our planning meetings, yeah. you would just hear two people saying a variation of, "Oh no, sorry, that's you can I I, I mean we can I can if you want." Back and forth for two hours. <laughs> Pretty much. And then at the end, we're like, all right, so what are we doing? <laughs> um, but no, if, if you know our old podcast, which you don't because this is now the number one podcast in the world. Are you saying that so that we can't release this episode into where the, we're bigger than Rogan? We're bigger than Rogan. We're bigger than Hamish, Hamish and, Andy. and Andy. That's a big one. Um, but if you are listening right now, uh, if you do know our old podcast, our little old podcast before yeah. we were world, no, um, <laughs> you will know that uh, we um, it was. Uh, dare I say a little shaky for the first couple of episodes mm. and. Um, uh, you probably more than anything know whenever we plug that podcast, we say come in at episode three. Yeah. We were like, all right, how do you avoid having to say come in at episode three mm. for the rest of your life? And the theory is, well, let's do the dodgy first episode mm-hmm. and put it somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But right now I'm feeling this. <laughs> what if we've wasted the gold? <laughs> Well, then we could premise, okay, if we've wasted the gold and we decide to release this one first, oh, no. we'll just premise it at the start. Hey, everyone. We it's just Mish do an Zach intro. Here. I'm just wanting to slip in an intro to say halfway through this pod, or not even 10 minutes into this <laughs> podcast, they mentioned that this isn't the first episode, but it is in fact the first episode because they changed their mind because of the gold wow. that was coming out of it. Because what we've done now is we've created a situation where we don't have to do that intro. Yeah. If if this comes in around episode three through twenty, well, then what we'd need to do is do an intro where we say, "Hey, everyone!" About ten or eleven minutes into the podcast, Mish says, "Hey, everyone! This isn't the first episode, but it is in fact the first episode. Sorry about that." And we just want to confirm that it is fact not the first episode. I love this. This is great. Yeah. Um, I think if we can get to the release of this episode. And there's no precursor at the start saying, hey, everyone, Zach here from uh, Zach, Mission Zach's Leguizamarama. Thanks so much for tuning in. A little bit of a fun one this week. <laughs> you always know that you know that when your favourite podcast starts with one of the hosts going, hey, guys, just so this one's a bit, bit kooky. This one's a bit crazy. This one was recorded. Whatever happens after that, you know it's a shit ep. 
It's, you know that they were busy that yeah, week and know, didn't have time to. Yeah. This one's just one of those mini apps. It's like you know that it's going to be just like um, it's always, hey, guys, it's uh, Zach here. Oh, we love this podcast. It's a really good one. Unfortunately, um, yeah. Mish sounds like this the entire time. <laughs> it is just a couple of sound issues. Instead of a microphone, she was talking into a fork. But um, we love the podcast so much we thought we'd still put it out there. Apologies for the sound issues and we will see you next week. <laughs> Gotta say, probably my favourite episode. Let us know what you guys think on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should we talk about the movie? Yeah, for sure. Oh, awesome. I'm trying to keep the ball rolling so that we understand the structure of this podcast because, yeah. again, Zach and I don't really know the structure yet. It's going to build over time. So by but the time this is released... That's going to be a little weird, It's going it? to be a little bit weird for you guys that are hardcore Leguizamo Rama fans. Mm. You know, but, like, we'll, we'll, you'll be rolling along with it and... They'll know. We'll know the. Uh, we'll know how to say what leg was Amarama. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we, we'll have running jokes. We'll, um, you know, maybe Leguizamo will have been on the podcast at this stage, and then all of a sudden, bam, we're back to 2020. Yeah. I should also state. I just realised this is important. Yeah. Um, this is very important to say. This is us. This is not us doing a recaps with Mission Zach joke. We're not pretending oh. to be recording the first. This is actually the first oh, podcast. Oh God! We yeah, recorded. look what we've done to ourselves. Oh my God! By doing that stupid recaps podcast. Oh my God! This is the first podcast. This we is recorded. legitimately the first time we've ever recorded Leguizamarama. Might not be the first time that you're hearing it. Might be, but won't be. It won't be. It won't be. <laughs> not after the last two and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, this week we will be talking about Doctor Doolittle, but. Not just any version of Dr. Doolittle. No. It's the 1998 version of Dr. Doolittle starring Eddie Murphy. Mm. There were a couple of other versions of Dr. Doolittle. Uh, one of them was starring Rex Harrison of uh, My Fair Lady fame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other one was starring Robert Downey Jr. from Jail fame. <laughs> <laughs> from, from. <laughs> from heroin fame. <laughs> um, I just marijuana, wasn't it? Or no, was it, was called, it was called Black Tar Heroin. I saw him do an. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, interview with Oprah, and he described wow. it as black tar heroin. Oof. Yeah. It's a really interesting interview with Oprah, though, that he does because it he describes addiction very well and having, like, an addictive personality and what that's like. It was very interesting. It's why I remembered it. Do you remember um, when that guy tried to get him to talk about his family in a seven-minute um, seven presser for Avengers Age of Ultron? No. It is something else. There's this guy that, like, I think he's for Channel 4 News and he loves to just get, like, hard-hitting... He loves to just get, like, hard-hitting news, like, news interviews. He he loves in-depth interviews. So, you know those seven-minute interviews they do in front of a poster for their film? Yes. Um, like junkets, things. like junkets, yeah, yeah. press junkets, like uh, like that scene, uh, the horse and hound scene from the movie with the British guy and the American girl that everyone loves, Notting Hill, Notting Hill. So in his seven minutes that he's allocated, he tries to go deep. He's done it once with Tarantino and once with him, where they he's like, yeah, I love yeah. doing Age of Ultron, and then this guy's like. Now, your father was not a great dad, and that's why you got addicted to black tar heroin. What do you think about that and how that relates to your film Avengers Age of Ultron? And he's just like, it's the classiest thing I've ever seen. He's like, I'm going to leave now? <laughs> like, you're not dying, Sawyer. Goodbye. And he just walks off. And it's just so like, 
No. Oh. It's the best. I really like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think he's like such a good actor. It seems like a nice enough bloke. Anyway, should we go back to talking about the, the actor that we decided to do a podcast about? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Dr. Doolittle released in 1998. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have who it is directed by, but of course I don't have it up on my phone. Uh, so it's directed by Betty Thomas, mm. um, who I don't know. And that is because of sexism. Yeah. I'm a, I'm sec- not, no, I'm, not your sexist. <laughs> I'm very sexist. Society is sexist and um, someone, a female director that's that profitable should have made more movies. Well, I mean, she might have made heaps, but you just never hear she her name. Oh, has she, did you look her up? Yeah. Yeah, I've read about her before. She's like one of the highest grossing. Let's talk about her in a second because I just want to get what the movie's about out. Yes, you do that. Quickly. You do that. Because this was like, I, I just think we need some structure. <laughs> Like a little bit. <laughs> All right. So um, a kind of a quick rundown on Dr. Doolittle, 1998. After a small car accident, Dr. John Doolittle, who's played by Eddie Murphy, gets back his childhood ability to converse with animals. It's an ability that he blocked out due to a traumatic experience he had when he was six that involved a priest and a dog with Ellen DeGeneres' voice. <laughs> John Doolittle rejects the return of this gift Um, as he begins uh, to struggle to maintain a happy family and a successful career as a medical practitioner. However, a variety of fluffy, furry and feathery friends turn him around with their witty repartee, persistence and desperate need of his aid. He starts a kind of like freelance free clinic for his animal friends in need of medical attention. When Doolittle's strange behaviour catches the attention of his wife, Lisa, who's played by Kristen Wilson, uh, he winds up in a mental institution uh, luckily for John Doolittle, he has a plethora of animal maids to help him out of that situation. Oh, and in terms of John Leguizamo's role in it, John plays the role of Rat 2, who is a quick-witted street rat who, along with his mate, Rat Number 1, enjoys stuff like eating garbage and teasing John Doolittle throughout the movie. Great. How did that go? That was really good. Thank you. That was really good. Thanks so Heads much. Heads up, nice structure for the next 50 minutes now. <laughs> yep, that's all you get. That's all you get. That's all you get. Um, can you tell me a bit more about Betty and what else she's done? Uh, Betty, no, that's not much else. She did a, She did the squeakwool. She did, um, what's the one with the little singing people? The little singing people? Uh, the little singing rats, the little singing gerbils. Chipmunks. Oh, chipmunks. She Alvin did the, the chipmunks chipmunk squeakwool, uh, oh. <laughs> which is her biggest film to date. Oh. And that's about it. All right, fair enough. She's she's uh, made a lot of money, uh, mm. but uh, yeah. Mm. I went into this movie thinking it was going to be shit because I remember seeing it at the cinema. Did you? I did. I saw it at the cinema with my mother and maybe my sister. I was about to say my sister at the time. She's still my sister. <laughs> it was my sister at the time, but since we've had a big falling out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, she's still my sister. I love her. Um, well, she'll always be your sister, Mish. Even though you had that big babe, falling out. <laughs> babe, thank you. Um, no, anyway, uh, I had only ever seen it once, I'm pretty sure, and it was at the cinema. And I remember, I can't really remember loving the movie, but I thought it was good enough. But anyway, going into it, I was like, this movie's going to be fucking shit. You would have been eight when it came out? Uh, it came out in 1998, so I was ten. Ten. I'm glad you hold the opinion of a ten-year-old so highly. <laughs> Yeah, of course. I love that you're like... Me um, as a 10-year-old, for sure. You're just like... I was undamaged. 
<laughs> the weight of the weight of the world had not yet. Um, no, I just love the idea of look. I didn't love it when I was a ten year old child, so I I just don't know if it was is going to hold up now. <laughs> Um, no, but I just, it was one of those movies that I'd definitely seen before, but I held no, like, particular part of my brain. I was just like, it's probably going to be a Schmed movie. I had Schmed, probably, I mean, bit shit. I probably had the, uh, uh, not the opposite, um, just a different journey. <laughs> Where I remembered really loving it as a kid, you know, as, an, as a nine-year-old, eight-year-old. I thought it was just the bee's knees. I thought it was really funny that, like, Eddie Murphy is a funny guy that's talking to funny animals and yeah. all the animals have funny little voices. Yeah. And I just at eight, I was like, this is just top notch. Mm. <laughs> this is really good stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> the way that the animals talk, like, different racial stereotypes I know from other shows, <laughs> but they're animals, just comedy so gold. Good, yeah. I think there's, you know... Just some, like, there's a police horse mm. that goes, I'm going to go get a donut. And I thought, yes. Comedy gold. Yes. Uh, polices love donuts. Yeah. Police horses must also. Um, so I was really coming in going, well, I loved it at nine. <laughs> I'm going to love it at 30. Um, and then initially I was like, I'm not feeling it. It's a bit whatever. It is for children. Yeah, it's for children. It's, like, it's more for children than I thought it would yeah, be. Yeah, you don't, you don't go into this and think that you're about to watch, like, The Da Vinci Code or something like that. No, I think I was Why expecting... Why was that the movie? <laughs> you know, something smart. <laughs> Why was that the movie? I was definitely Why was that my expecting... Why adult film? I was definitely expecting something smart, intellectual. I don't know if you know, there's this little book called The Da Vinci Code. <laughs> it's really smart. <laughs> It's about like a guy. I panicked. Unless you don't know know a lot about why. It's because I added it to my list on Amazon Prime of movies I want to watch soon. I just added about five minutes before I came Have you ever seen it? Never seen it. I just stole my partner's Amazon logins. So now I have Amazon Prime. That's what you've got to do. My my sister has um, has my Amazon Prime. And to watch this, I had to sign up to Disney+. Plus. Oh yeah, um, and Disney Plus is good to have though. Yeah, but right. See, that's true. But now I'm now I've got four things, so I have to get off one of them. Well, Plus too many. That's like forty dollars. That's we're talking pay TV money. There. To be honest with you, recently I've been watching a lot of Stan. I see. I'm, I'm not on Stan, which is bad because I have friends on Stan. Yeah, you should get on Stan because of all your friends. But uh, like a lot of your friends. Uh, on Amazon Prime. I nearly said a lot of our friends. They're not my friends. <laughs> they don't know <laughs> who I am. No, no. Um, uh, Amazon Prime's good for comedy. Mm, mm, but no, anyway. But I got Prime. But this is what I was going to say is like, I think it's about time my sister pays up. I think it's about time, like, if I'm giving her Prime, she needs to give me some Disney Plus. You know what I'm Does saying? Does she have Disney Plus? No, we need Disney to get Plus can only be reciprocal. on one. Disney Plus can only be on one device. Oh, they, they know what they're doing, <coughs> Disney. They know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, so I had a different journey with, with Dr. Doolittle. So I thought it would be more like a family film in the way that like, I would say Shrek is a family film. You know what I mean? It's a film that everyone can enjoy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was more of a kid's film. Yeah, I would agree with that. However, there were some racist and sexist jokes that are aimed at adults. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So it was the, the, I think it's the kind of movie that parents would take their children to at the cinema 
and they'd slip in a little adult joke every once in a this while is, so this that the parents aren't, this one's for aren't this dying. Yeah. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen Paw Patrol? No. That's purely for children. Yeah. It's, it may, reminds me why I don't want to have kids because if I had that on in the background of my life, mm. I would just... I would. I. I couldn't That's handle that. That's why you got to watch Bluey on loop if you're a parent. Bluey's really good. It's got adult jokes. No, Bluey is. Here's my theory on children's entertainment. If you want it, <laughs> <laughs> if you want it, Bluey is. I think there's two ways a kids a kids thing can be good. Mm. Either one is the here's the kids stuff and here's some jokes for the adults, or two is we're all gonna feel like kids again. Mm. That's if it, if an adult is going to enjoy. It. So like one is the Shrek model, which is that here's some jokes for the adults, or the other is the Pixar model, which is let's all be children again. Bluey, I think, is more in the second one. Like it's like okay, but it it I don't know. Bluey's really good. It's not funny to talk about. I'm going to move on. <laughs> anyway, I was watching it. I wasn't loving it, and then about twenty minutes in, I was like. They don't really make movies like this anymore. Like yes. that sort of mid-budget, not trying to do anything too special. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what a precious gift. Mm. <laughs> so I There's something it. to be said of movies made between 1993 and 1998. Mm. It was a great time for that not high-budget, just slightly enjoyable film in all genres. Action, comedy, drama. Children's in this case, where it's that kind of like it's just an enjoyable film on a small budget. These films really are, I would say, uh, the breadcrumbs that are bulking up the meatball that is this podcast. Yes, like there's a lot of them in in yeah Leguizamo's Au revoir. Yeah, because I, I think I think at this point we can comfortably say that John doesn't say no often. Didn't say no in the nineties very much. <laughs> No, we we uh, we went through. We should say we went through all of his films to like categorize them, so we could kind of not just do Moulin Rouge, yeah. Tu Wong Fu, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Just do all the gold in a row, and then be like, "Well, now two years of thirty million dollar February releases." <laughs> um, and uh, as we were going through, it was this like a, a big realization mm-hmm. that like. Um, he, I think he started saying no in the mid two thousands. Yeah, Ice Age, Ice Age, Ice Age, Ice Age money. And I'm so, so I'm sure we'd have already discussed. Ice Age came along and he yeah. could start saying no. Yeah, exactly. That's what happened. That's so true. Yeah, once because if you look at his repertoire, it's very clear that re, is it his repertoire? No, his. Mm, I don't know. I said au revoir, and I don't know if that's right either. Yeah, you look at his filmography. Mm. And. Pre Ice Age, just a lot of like, what are you doing? Yeah, like he said. And then yes. post Ice Age, you're like, ah, there you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like pre Ice Age, it was like, yes, I will do that film. Mm-hmm. Post Ice Age, it was like, I'm Sid from Ice Age, I'm, motherfucker. <laughs> either you pay me $125,000 or I'm not even coming to the fucking table. <laughs> Write down that question for when he comes on this pod. What? Did you start asking for more money after What happened post-Ice Age? How did your career change Mm -hmm. after Ice Age? Mm -hmm. I saw an interview with him once um, uh, where he was talking about Super Mario Brothers. Again, I'm sure we've talked about this already, but where where he was talking about Super Mario Brothers and how he thought this was like this was the one. 
and then that didn't happen. And mm. I wonder if you, like, with Ice Age, was just like, eh, it's another voice job, and then yeah. it just changed everything. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? He's good in Ice Age, though, isn't he? He's so fucking good in Ice Age. <laughs> I don't know if we've reviewed it yet for this podcast, but... No um, idea. No idea. At this point, idea. when we haven't done any other episodes, <laughs> I'm very excited to do Ice Age. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, One of the things I did really like about this movie... Mm. I, I is the, like this is the most base bitch bullshit I've ever said, but I did like the animals. <laughs> it was nice. I mean, it, they used real animals. They weren't all CGI animals. That was kind of cool. Um, and what I really loved about the animals is that when they opened their mouths and spoke, it was very clear the actor that was playing that animal. Do you yes, know what I mean? Like yes. as soon as Rodney the guinea pig opened his mouth, it's like, oh, that's Chris Rock. Yeah. As soon as Lucky the dog opens his mouth, is like, oh, that's Norm Macdonald. That <laughs> Norm Macdonald. Has, this, this was like uh, this film was. I didn't realize this at eight. I just thought you know it was filled with talking animals. But when you watch the film now, it is like a who's who. Mm. Of comedic actors of the late 90s. Yes. Like, it has got, it's got... Um, Jenna Elfman's in it. Jenna Elfman. It's got Gilbert Gottfried. Yep. It's got uh, Jeffrey Tambor. Yes. It's got, oh, <laughs> it's got... Um, uh, Raven Simone. Raven Simone. <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres <laughs> is a dog. <laughs> So weird. And Ellen DeGeneres is listed as prologue dog (laughs) because the dog Ellen plays doesn't ever have a name and it's never addressed. So in the, like, listed the cast, she's listed as prologue dog. That's so funny. Um, Early, early on in the film, like within the first five minutes, we're introduced to Eddie Murphy's family Mm. and one of his daughters is Raven Simone. And I, that was just great. That was a great little nugget. I was just like, look who's back. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Was Ellen DeGeneres out when she played the dog? When did she come out? No, she wouldn't have been. So this is like an accidentally, Wait. accidental representation, this film. Let me find out when Ellen came out. Because, uh, it's, yeah, it's like. You, you, oh, she was out. She was out by a year. Well, good for them. Yeah. Because she didn't get a lot of work after that happened. So good for them. Good for the producers and the director of uh, of um, Dr. Doolittle, it's very 1998. Possible. It's very possible the film was recorded in 1997 and released in 1998. That's true. Hollywood was an asshole to Ellen. I would like to think that there were a few people in Hollywood that said, no, I'm going to take a stand and give Ellen three lines before the dog gets put down. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> It's very, it's very. Oh, that didn't even hurt me. Oh, Ellen. Ellen, Ellen. She had a rough trot because of the I worst of humanity. I don't feel so sorry for her anymore. She seems to be doing pretty good. She's doing very well. She's making a lot of money and lives in a big house. Yeah, but it's like a jail. <laughs> um, I, oh, she I, said a stupid thing that she, she shouldn't did. have said. She did, but she's done a lot of good as well. <laughs> That's true. Um, um, I, I, I. 
I will say I had one issue with the film, though. Mm-hmm. As we said, Norm MacDonald plays a, a funny little dog, which is very funny. Yeah. Because that's not the issue with the film. I've just gone off on that tangent now. It's so funny that, like, the wacky... Like, I, I feel like the casting should have been someone that's more like, oh, hey there, Dr. Doolittle, it's me, a crazy dog. You know what yes, I mean? Yes. And then, like, because there's lots of scenes of Eddie Murphy. Maybe they hadn't even cast mm. the dog at that point. Like, Eddie Murphy being like, oh, no, oh, the dog's up to yeah. mischief. But then the dog's voice is like, hey, I'm Norm MacDonald. <laughs> and uh, just like... Where do you think you're going? (laughs) Where are you? Oh, I hope I don't get hit by a car. (laughs) It's just this And then when he's trying, when Eddie Murphy's character is all like, I don't want to listen to animals anymore. I don't want to hear animals. I hate this gift. (laughs) Norm MacDonald's just there like, oh, come on, John. (laughs) Don't, we're your friends. This is a... Gift. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> it's just a funny little piece of casting, but that's not the point. My issue What's your with issue it is with the film, the who's who, the who's who of everyone that is everyone. Right, mm-hmm. Leguizamo's every character actor, comedic character actor that you love from the late nineties is in it, except for John Lovitz. How is I was watching the movie, I got about halfway through, and I was like, either I've missed John Lovitz, he played a parrot or something, and I just missed it, or John Lovitz is coming. But there is not a single John Lovitz animal in the film, and I I do not know why that happened. Well, because John Lovitz could have played Lucky the dog, but they went with Norm MacDonald. (laughs) But surely someone, surely as they were developing the story, doing the read-through... In the casting, someone just said, wait a second, guys, John Lovitz isn't in this. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, do you know who they, John Lovitz could have played? Who? Which was arguably my favourite character or favourite pair of characters was the male pigeon that was played by another 90s comedy star, which was Gary Shandling. Mm. And the female pigeon, which was Julie Kavner. I feel like that could have been John Lovitz. Wait, who was the Pigeons? I thought that was Billy Crystal. No, no, no. It was Gary Shandling. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And Julie Kavner, who does a lot of voiceover stuff. <laughs> I don't know Ju- Julie Kavner. Julie Kavner is in, is in almost everything. That's amazing. I'm going to look But they were up. easily my favourite characters. They were pigeons that needed couples therapy. <laughs> Julie Kavner is Marge in um. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. That's great. But where was John Lovitz? I don't know, man. Do you, is this not a thing? I, I thought. I don't think it's a thing in the late 90s. I feel like John, John Lovitz was very early 90s, late 80s even. Yeah, right. But like in a movie like this, he was in Rat Race. He was in. Oh um, my God, Rat Simpsons. Race. During my Seth Green phase. Yeah. Loved Rat Race. I feel like Rat Race is the kind of movie John Leguizamo would be in. Yeah, it's weird that John Not Leguizamo though. wasn't in Rat Race. Yeah, well, Everyone was in Rat Race. Write that down as a question to ask John. Why weren't you in Rat Race? Yeah, yeah why weren't you in Rat Race? <laughs> why wasn't John in Rat Race? <laughs> there's, a, there's like a Venn diagram of casting mm. and it, the issue is John Lovitz was not in Dr. Doolittle. Leguizamo was not in Rat Race. Mm. And if 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 either of those movies had had one of them in the other, yeah. it would have been the perfect movie. Yeah, it's like that yin and yang, though. If you're going to have a little bit of love, it's... You're, you're going to have, have to have a little... <laughs> that... got a lot of John Leguizamo... <laughs> There's no room for some lovers. It, it, it's a balance in the universe kind of thing. Um, 
it maybe it would have been too much. Yeah. If they if 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 Lovitz had been in that movie, yeah. we would have hit peak uh brilliant comedic character actor and just exploded. Yeah, it would have been too much. <laughs> it would have been way too much. It would have been too much. This was also that phase in Eddie Murphy's career where he clearly started having children. Yes. And he started releasing a lot of family film yes. trying to forget about Delirious and Raw. Yes. Like they never happened. It was uh, – I, I did say that. Mm. I was watching it with my partner and I was like, it, 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 this is funny mm. when you think of like he was 10 years previous, like mm. the edgiest comedian. Yeah. Like the edgiest. And I don't think at the time, like now there's material that he regrets. Like he openly regrets. Does he? Has he said that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely apologised for that. I'm pretty sure he said that. Like stuff he did back in the 80s. Stuff he said in that show. There's stuff in that show that's like. Delirious. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. No, I'm pretty sure he's. it's full on. Yeah, it's very full on. But I think, like, I think in the 90s everyone was like, that's edgy (laughs) rather than offensive. He was so edgy. And then, and then like. That's a funny thing that he's then doing, mm. like, Doolittle. Like, yeah. it's, it, I can see, like, that would be, I can't think of a bigger. It's weird to look, look at, at someone who made jokes about ramming his cock in places, <laughs> then turning around and, like, having a chat with Norm MacDonald about a tiger that has a headache. <laughs> like, it is a strange thing. It's a very, it's a very strange. It's a bit like it, it, it. it more than anything, it's a, it's a product of its time. That film, yes. Then, then, it's a, it's a little snapshot mm. of Eddie Murphy, post being very, very edgy, mm. pre that being a normal thing. Mm. Was it his first like family film? He did the Nutty Professor. That's not really a family film. No, but it? that was his like step. Yeah, Nutty yeah. Professor was, like, quite rude and, and... That was quite rude. That was when he did, like, all the different... He didn't play multiple characters in Doctor Doolittle. No. He, he loves to play, like, multiple characters and stuff. Um, but, no, I think it might have been the first. It was quite popular when it came out. Doolittle? Yeah. I feel it like was... it must have been released around a school holidays or something and then everyone flocked to it. Like and it was... also just movies then, like, like, genuinely, movies then they would just do, like... Mm-hmm. They would just... You would make a movie for $50 million and release it at the school holidays and it would do well. Mm. I thought it was. They were all in San Francisco as well. Yeah. (laughs) So many movies with a a spanning shot of San Francisco. Like, uh, it's very true. It's a very. um, I think it's very interesting, like, when you compare it, that there's now, like, a doolittle for every era of, of cinema. Yeah. Genuinely, there's the there's the musical Doolittle. Mm-hmm. There's that that sixties mediocre sixties musical. Yep. There's the mid budget um, mid budget act, uh, comedic actors collecting paycheck. Yep. Version, and then there's the too much money trying to start a, mm. an, a, a, a franchise version. Yes. And every version is, like is so of its time, mm-hmm. and I've only seen this one. So I can't. Oh, really? Oh, no, maybe I've seen the musical. I'm assuming that the nine, I believe it's 1967. Oh, very good. The Rex Harrison one. Um, I'm assuming that it's problematic (laughs) in some way. Oh, (laughs) of course. Um, But I remember seeing that when I was younger and like watching it with my grandparents or something. It's very like a, like a, um, I feel like I I have vision of like sick day at school or like a Sunday. It's on TV and I'm having two minute noodles watching it. Like that's the kind of. 100% that's exactly what the original Dr. Doolittle. I believe that they're based off books. 
Yeah, like an old old book. Yeah. And I think like I think the original was like he develops the ability to talk. Like it's not like mm. this like because we should talk a little bit about um uh the story or like how how this is framed or like what happens because you talk to it that it's in this version it's not like he develops an ability to talk to animals or like it's not like a nutty professor situation he's just always had it but he's not a vet yeah. he's he's a doctor no from a very young age he was able to talk to ellen degeneres in dog form but then he put it away put it away because a priest came and yelled at him a priest came in <laughs> and because they thought essentially he was assaulted unwell. the poor boy, <laughs> they thought he was very ninety-eight. Where you just, oh yes, a priest coming and screaming at a child, <laughs> yeah, grabbing his face and screaming at him <laughs> for the devil to get out. Perfect. Yes, yes. Um, and then, and then, and then he like finds the thing, and it's. I feel like there was an element with this film where they were burdened by the title Doctor. Do you know what I mean? They were like, we're going to do a modern. Got to make him a doctor. <laughs> We're doing a we're doing a modern version of of Doctor Doolittle, and in the old version, like I think he's like a doctor of zoology. We can't have that. That's too poo poo to that. So we've got to make him a doctor. And then they're like, "All right." So every single movie in the nineties is about a selfish guy that's lost touch with his childhood mm-hmm. wonder. He's now big business, and he's got some big business on the line. Mm-hmm. And he's a bit stuffy and a bit strict. He's just got. He's lost that mm-hmm. magic. Um, and now, and then, and then something bad happens, or something gets overwhelming that gets in the way of his big business opportunity. Uh, and now, how, like, so, and then he refines the wonder. It's sort of the arc of every film. And then they're just like, how do we do that? But also, he has to be a doctor because it's in the title. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then what they do is they've got this thing where it's like, uh, the. He's a medical doctor and he and his medical doctor friends who started this, what used to be a fun medical practice, Hmm. but they've lost touch and now they're going to sell it to the guy from Everybody Loves Raymond Hmm. um, and and make a lot of money, but they're going to have to lay people off. But then he is that kind of roughly? And also it's like... If you actually think about it properly, mm. at the start of the movie, him and his mate Oliver Platt, <laughs> who <laughs> are in this movie, like who who run this medical practice, right? Mm. That's kind of going under. They're looking to sell it, like you said. They're both on the same page. They're both really excited to sell it. They're both really like they've obviously worked out a plan. They've organised these meetings. They're like on the brink of making a like shitload of money, and they're both in it together, right? <laughs> And then Eddie Murphy starts hearing from animals and Oliver Platt's like, what's going on? Because Eddie Murphy just starts, like, not showing up to the meetings that they've clearly planned so much of over this practice that they just want to sell and they just want to get it out of their hands. Um, and Oliver's like, what are you doing? Where are you going? And then by the end of the movie, they're trying to palm Oliver Platt off as being some sort of villain when it's like, <laughs> no, no, you had a business plan and you screwed Oliver Platt over. Completely. And isn't there like... Without telling him about it. You didn't even go, hey, man, can we just have a quick chat? I've decided I don't want to sell the practice. I don't think it's an ethical idea. I'm Also, I can hear... Animals right now. (laughs) Sheep are talking to me. I need a a long weekend. If you can just shepherd (laughs) the... uh, No, there was no conversation. So Oliver Platt's like, what's going on, man? And then Eddie's like, I want out of this. And then a bird shits on him and Eddie laughs at him and stuff. It's like... Why are you? I felt sorry for Oliver Platt. 
I, I feel like this this movie in in so many ways is like incidentally about men's inability to to take a week. Just like yes, it's like that is the <laughs> yes. It's just like this guy is like, hey, I know we've got this big business deal, but I'm talk. Animals are talking to me right now. <laughs> I need a week. If you can just shepherd this deal through. Mm. I'll, I'll sign any papers you need me to, mm. but just I'm going to turn off my emails and maybe just work on this whole animal talking thing. Insanity. It's 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 very. Does do they end up not selling the hospital at the end? I don't even know what happened. I because I it's, this is what really gets cooked about the whole thing. So because it's a doctor, but because it, as a mid nineties family film, it has to be about a guy who's lost touch with his childhood. That's the rule. It becomes about a doctor. It becomes this, like, accidentally becomes this film about, like, the issues of a private health system. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, because they're like, we're going to have to lay people off, but here's a lot of money because you're rich or, like, yeah. Yeah, and it's like doctors no longer being, into, but it's so incidental. But I think, right, what happens is in the first scene, they're having this meeting and he's getting distracted by all the talking animals and they're like, yeah, you're going to have to lay off a bunch mm. of people. And then, and then he gets distracted and he runs off. So that's the implication is that they're gonna if they sell this place, they're going to have to lay people off. And I think I was only half watching, which will be a theme of this uh, entire podcast. At the end, I think they end up, they, they end up like, it becomes Oliver Platt's like, don't ruin this for us. Yeah. And then he does surgery on a, on a tiger. tiger. Yeah. And, and also, just a quick side note, the surgery was Tiger had a headache that hurt real bad, so he just stuck something in his head in the right place and he's like, I don't feel pain anymore. We will get to the veterinary yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it's to. Flawed. I don't it's want to be a, flawed. I don't want to be a everything that's wrong with this film podcast, but we will get to the veterinary stuff. <laughs> go on, go on, go on. Um, so then, then it's like... Oliver Platt's like, you're going to ruin this for me because there's also the obligatory scene in every 90s family film where the big business guy is like, if this, if he doesn't show up in the next 20 minutes, this deal we've been working on for the last five years is off the table. Yeah. <laughs> Like that's not that's how not business, how business works. Not how acquisitions it would be. Work. It would be like I'm so sorry he's not here at the moment. It's like oh no worries I'll email it to you. <laughs> Why are we here? <laughs> yeah, and now like even then. Done. Yeah, even then it's like this could just be done by fax, can't it? <laughs> it's just like, Why I am I be here? like if he's not here in the next twenty minutes. I'm going to have to go back to my board of directors, explain to them why I didn't make the acquisition at the right time. <laughs> then the I'm going to have to talk to my lawyers about whether we can renege on some of the deals we've already made. Can you imagine that conversation happening between that guy and the board where they're like, well, where's where's the hospital? Where's the deal? Where's my hospital? So, like, nah, I didn't, I, I dropped it. I dropped it. Why'd you do that? He was late. <laughs> he didn't show he didn't up. Show up in twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. <laughs> oh well, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I completely understand. <laughs> We're the board, the unseen board uh, of every '90s family film. And for I the think bad I need part. to take a week now because <laughs> that was a full-on experience for me. I thought I had a hospital. <laughs> now I 
don't have a hospital. Who's making unilateral calls like that? This is a multi-million dollar deal for a hospital. And he's like, surely he has to check with at least his CFO. So many people. Who is this? And if he is, let's just say hypothetically he is the CFO. Nothing goes past him. Yeah. Why is he there? You send people. If you have $4 million to give to these two men, you have people that work for you that do these deals for you. Like this guy, absolute <laughs> madness! The absolute madness! Amazing. <sighs> so it all happens, right? He ends up doing the surgery on the lion, and Oliver tiger. Platt's tiger. And Oliver Platt's like, "I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He's doing surgery on a tiger." And he's like, "What are you talking about? This man is clearly the greatest surgeon I've ever seen." And then I think again, only half watching. I was doing the dishes. I think. <laughs> Ray Romano's father-in-law then says, like, I love it. I'm still going to buy the hospital, but now it's going to be half hospital, half vet. And they're all like, yay. Is that what happened? Pretty much. And they're all like, yay. And it's like, but you set up the issue of, so are they still laying off workers? (laughs) Like, yay, now he will also <laughs> be do laying surgery off, on it, dogs. Hypothetically, they'd be laying off more workers because people can't just work on animals. Yeah, they're going to have worked to. on people. Let's touch on that. You can't, just because you're trained as a medical practitioner, as if you're a doctor, yeah. that doesn't mean you can operate on a tiger now. So the whole arc of the story is he goes to, he's a medical doctor and he goes to like vets and stuff. Mm. He goes to the vet and he's like, Look, he the dog told me he's got a sore paw or whatever. And the vet's like... The vet's name was Dr. Fish. <laughs> Dr. Fish is like, look, I can't talk to animals. The only thing I can do is shove a thermometer up its ass. And then, um, so that happens. It's very traumatic and very upsetting. Yeah, the, the dog part with the thermometer up the it's butt. It's just like, I don't know how I'm meant to feel about this or how anyone watched this and just went, ha, 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 <laughs> at one point. There was a point in 1998 where at least the vast majority of people watched that scene and just went, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I didn't go, oh, that man <laughs> is shoving something up that dog's ass. And the dog has Doesn't... no ability to come. In this yeah. world, this dog is as smart as a Norm MacDonald. Yeah. <laughs> And can't say, no, I don't want that thermometer up my asshole. Full on and upsetting. Yes, <laughs> full on. And uh, I'd like to think that between uh, John Doolittle or Eddie Murphy and Norm MacDonald or Lucky, there was a conversation afterwards as an apology. Like he would just be like, I was in shock over what was happening. I, I couldn't I, stop him. It was like I was having an out-of-body experience <laughs> as he was doing this to you. You know, you know, you know that uh, I... You know that most people can't talk to dogs. You know that uh, I couldn't reveal that. He wouldn't believe me. Mm. We were in a situation there where I didn't know what to do, but I let you down. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like, and please, I want to I do better. I want to know better. Please tell me. Uh, please uh, talk to me about your feelings. I'm so sorry and I will do anything I can to rectify this situation. It was like I was frozen there was so many. There was so much about this situation that was disturbing, and I'm so sorry. Um, how are you? How are you? What's going on? What What's going we on do? for you? I hope that conversation happened. It was just a scene that didn't make the final cut. No, it didn't. But I'll tell you what did. They taught the dog actor to walk funny. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, but that's the thing, right? So the implication is because he can talk to animals, he's able to 
give them better, like, care as a medical professional. And so that's right. Like, if you can talk to an animal, you can say, where are you hurting? They can identify symptoms and, like, potentially, like, history, like, medical history, which is really good. Yeah. But... Then the but then the final scene is surgery on a tiger. It's like, how does he know the anatomy of a tiger? No, yeah, what? <laughs> like it was absolute insanity. Like, and the the actual surgery, like I touched on before, was this tiger is an incredible amount of pain. Mm. Um, like to the point of being suicidal. Yeah, so it's a suicidal tiger because he cannot get rid. Of pain, like this particular pain, like what sounds like a really bad headache. This is a family comedy yeah. about talking animals. One of the main characters has such bad pain that he wants to jump off a building. Yeah, and that's, that's shown. They don't that's show. They don't show the scene between the doctor and the dog after the dog has been assaulted by a vet and the doctor just watched. <laughs> They don't show the scene where the doctor and the dog have a conversation about that, but they do show the scene where the tiger talks about how he'd rather end his life than continue in the pain he's on while he stands on the edge of a building, Uh, five stories up. The tiger is ready to jump because of the pain that cannot be fixed because this tiger cannot communicate to his owners at a (laughs) zoo. No, at at a circus. At a circus. The suicidal tiger. Anyway, as you were. Yeah. Um, so Eddie Murphy is like, cool, we'll operate on this mass amount of pain. But, right, I'm, I watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy. Yes, you do. Right? It has yeah. been my um, pandemic isolation viewing of choice. That and Leguizamo films. Um, in watching Grey's Anatomy, I'm aware that often brain surgery, you are awake for it. Yes. Because they need the brain operating with, uh, I don't know, an awake state of mind. I don't fucking know. So the tiger's still awake. Also because it's primo drama for your network TV yeah, so show. Um, so the tiger is awake. Believable because I've seen it in Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> um, but the tiger is directing Eddie Murphy to where the pain is. He's like, just over this way. Oh, a little oh. bit over this way. Did you miss this? Well, I did, but I, 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 I didn't, it didn't dawn on me. What you're saying. How weird that is. And then, no, but then when Eddie Murphy finally navigates his little, like, medical stick to the right part of the pain in the tiger's brain, the tiger goes, oh, that's it, that's it, I can feel it, you're at the pain spot. And then Eddie Murphy just, like, shoves the stick in a little bit harder into his brain and then all of a sudden the tiger doesn't feel any more pain anymore. That's not how surgery works. That's not. Like but I said, the my, mom, there. my mother is a theatre nurse and I watch Grey's Anatomy. So I know. And I strongly recommend everyone go to the end of this movie, watch the surgery and just look at how ridiculous it is. That's not how surgery works. It's not animal surgery. That's not how it works. So here's the, th- here's the, here's the thing, right? If... what. Well, that it, the implication there is he's not under general anaesthetic, which is so which cruel. Which means he can feel the pain. He can feel the pain. <laughs> the other thing is that's really uh, wrong with it is is exactly what you're saying. The impl- the, the jump of a GP yeah. to brain surgery. My my brother's a GP, right? And I remember talking to a friend of his who wanted to be a brain surgeon. That was their goal. Mm. And so my my brother, I remember when he was in like the final year of high school. We used to share a room and I, I was younger and I would I started sleeping 
in the living room because he was studying so late mm. so that he could get a score good enough to be a doctor. Like that's how hard he had to study to be a GP, right? He was saying then to be a brain doctor, like mm. to be a brain surgeon, you have to be like in the top 0.2% yeah. of that cohort. Yeah. You have to be like so good. Yeah. It's, and then it's years and years, like it is so complicated. Exactly. So the implication that a GP would be able to do that from- Not only do brain surgery, but brain surgery on a tiger. The tiger layer is just, <laughs> I don't know much, but I can't, they're felines. It's not even on, an, on, a, on, an, on a gorilla. Mm. They ha- it's a feline. It's got a different brain. Yeah, different brain. How does he know where to hit it with the stick? Patently ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely it ridiculous. Made me, it made me a bit mad. I can't help but watch movies like that sometimes, though, where I'm just like, that could never happen. I realise the whole talking animals, hearing animals talk thing could also never happen. Um, but the surgery part of it, I was out of it by then. I didn't, I didn't not... I. I didn't not enjoy this film. No, I mean, look, I, I... I enjoyed it. It was an enjoyable hour and a half. I love the ones that are hour and a half. <laughs> You're <laughs> dreading the long ones? Oh, my God, I'm so scared. <laughs> Lincoln Lawyer is going to be painful. <laughs> um, it's part of the uh, uh, McConaughey-sons. Is that what they call it? Yeah, yeah. That's, oh, that's going to be a great episode. That'll be a very good episode. It's uh, the, um, the McConaughey... Leguizamarama s- talk about the McConaughey-sons. Oh, oh. This I, I remembered what my most in, my favorite thing about this movie was. Yes, and it was my favorite thing about this movie in relation to this podcast. Yes, there is a scene. Yes, where John Doolittle has just realised that he can hear animals and speak to animals, mm-hmm. and he takes his daughter Maya's guinea pig mm-hmm. in the car, and Rodney, who's voiced by Chris Rock, is like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" Blah blah blah. And he pulls over on the side of the road because he's just going so crazy because he can hear animals. And he puts the cage on the side of the road and he starts screaming at the guinea pig. It's like, mm-hmm. stop talking to me. Shut up. Stop talking. And then this little oh, – they're in the middle of the, like a country road. Not a country road store, like a road that no, is they're in not, the country. they're not in the middle of a of a, of <laughs> country an road overpriced. Hard <laughs> <laughs> of an no, overpriced they're on a road in the middle of the country. clothing and apparel and this, store. this couple, this older couple come over and they're like, excuse me, sir, are you okay? And he's like, oh, yes, no, I'm just fine. They turn back away. The female in that couple is in Tu Wong Fu. Is she? Because she's yep. also in Donnie Darko. She's the... Um... Well, that has nothing to do with John Leguizamo. No. That, your fact is better and yeah. more relevant. She's in Tu Wong Fu. And that's why I was like, how can you be going from doing cinema like Tu Wong Fu mm. to doing a one-liner in um, Dr. Doolittle? <laughs> but I also wonder if this woman, whose name I do not know, this woman and John ever discussed it. Hey, we were both in Doctor Doolittle and Tu Wong Fu together. How the, funny! They would have to, they would have to have met up again in the last twenty years. Yeah, because they wouldn't have recorded together. No, so yeah. they would have had to have met up in the last twenty years, and it it would have had to have come up that he was because she probably was she in Tu Wong Fu a lot. Yeah, she's a, like a biggish player. Like oh, she's right, not she's yeah. not the main, but she's in. When we get to Tu Wong Fu. Have you seen it? No. Okay, so when we get to Tu Wong Fu. I know it as the they one. They end up in a little town, and in that little town, she is one of the townspeople. I know I know Tu Wong Fu as the Armageddon to Priscilla, Queen of the Desert's Deep Impact. Yes. Or the ants 
to Priscilla, Queen of the Deserts, Bugs, Bugs Life. Life. Yeah, it's pretty much. Is about that right. a fair assessment? Yeah, I'm so excited to do Tu Wong Fu. I'm I'm uh, very very excited for Tu Wong Fu, mm. but she she's actually. Uh, I think at its core, we don't know what this podcast is about yet. I'm sure you do because this is episode seven uh, or eight <laughs> or nine or three. Or one. We don't know. <laughs> oh, honey, it's not one. <laughs> this is not going to be one. Um, we've done all right, though. I thought we've done. Between you and me, Zach, you can edit this part out. <laughs> no, I'm keeping it. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> but I think we've done okay. I think we've done pretty good. What do you guys reckon of this structure? To be completely honest, we've already established it by the time we've that learned. you're listening to this. So apologies that yeah. we haven't even mentioned That's John Leguizamo yet. <laughs> He's a rat. You know? He's a rat for like a scene. Yeah, he has a couple of very funny lines. He has a couple of very funny lines. He does. He has like a great like. It's it's what you yeah. want to be as an actor. Like his mate, um, his mate Rat One gets gas, and uh, Doctor Doolittle goes, "Oh, it's just gas." And then Rat Two, who's played by John Leguizamo, goes, "You're telling me because it smells." Like yes. gas. <laughs> yeah, there's another bit where he goes, do you know CPR? And the rat goes... I can't even spell it. I can't it. even spell it. And that's great because it's uh, CPR. It's, yeah. Um, but this is what I was going to say about that actress, is I feel like if anything this is a movie, uh, uh, this is a, a podcast about celebrating um, character like character actors yeah. that never, rarely play the lead, mm-hmm. usually are in around the middle. And she, as I was watching this film, like she's that, that actor of like, yeah. oh! Oh, that lady yeah. from all those things. Mm. Often and, comes in for a scene. So yeah. Lines. Yep. And it, it, I had a real moment. What I actually, I was like, it, what a strange job it is to be mm. that kind of actor. Like it's my dream to be that kind oh, of actor. Oh, yeah, it's if you the perfect it level really. Where you just come in for a day, you know, you maybe know Eddie Murphy from a film you did five years ago with him. You're like, hi, Eddie, how are you? And he's like, I'm well. He doesn't remember who you are. No, no. He's like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we're like, we did that thing together. And he's and like, then, oh, okay. And they're like, do they know who the hamster's going to be yet? And he's like, no, they said they were talking to Chris Rock. <laughs> <laughs> but for now it's Gerald over here. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and uh, he'll, he'll be reading it. Like, to be honest with you, that scene probably was about a half day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She came in. She came in like... In the afternoon. Yeah. She came in like around midday to yeah. film, start filming at two hmm. and uh, she was there for lunch. They were like, look, yeah, your call time is one. Yes, exactly. Your call time is one. But if you want to come half an hour early, yeah, we've got catering. In, <laughs> so you're more than welcome to join in with that. And she would have been like, oh, well, that's perfect actually because by the time I wake up, I've had my breakfast, I've gone for a walk, I'm working on a project at the moment. So I'll have a couple of hours where I'm able to write in that project a little bit work on that project, which I'll be releasing in a few years, top secret project, and then I'll come in, I'll film for a few hours, and I'll probably make it home in time for dinner. Uh, that's but the- I'll probably have to do Uber Eats. Yeah. yeah, like she's like, okay, like when she was thinking of her day that day when they're like, okay, you've got to come in, call time is one <clears throat> for a 2.30 start. She was probably like, oh, by the time I get out of here, it'll be like 7.30. <sighs> All right, I'm not going to have time to go to the supermarket to make something. I'll get Uber Eats. But I think she's been doing it for so- a. It's 1998. But B- oh come on, <laughs> it was just a. I know. Then it wasn't Uber. She's like, I'll get in the taxi and I'll go to Sizzlers. Better. <laughs> Better. I'll go to Pizza Hut. <laughs> uh, but I reckon she's at the level in her career though, where like she's even at the point where she's like, I'm going to cook two meals the night before because I don't want to get Uber Eats yeah. tomorrow. She's like, I've done this for so long now. I know that if I don't, I'll have Uber mm. Eats tomorrow. Mm. So I'm going to just cook 
t- twice as much pasta and put some in the fridge yeah. before when I get home. Yeah. And then you eat so much at catering. Or she might have organised to go over to her sister's house because her niece and nephew want to know what it was like to work with Eddie Murphy. Because they love Eddie Murphy because yeah. of the Nutty Professor. Yeah, because of the Nutty Professor. And Mulan, which was released the year earlier. Oh, how good's Mulan? One of the best. The, I mean, my top two favourite Disney movies. What's your other one? Hercules. Oh, yes. Hercules is my favourite. Mulan is my second favourite. Can I tell you a fun fact? Of course. If I was ever a director, like a big Hollywood director, and if it hadn't been done yet, mm. um, and, you, and like the head of um, Disney, like I think his name's Alan Horn, if he came to me and he said, hey, what movie do you want to do the live action version of? Because that's mm-hmm. what we do now. I would say Hercules. I would love to do a live action. You want to be Hercules? No, direct it. Make it. Like, oh, okay. like, I don't know how to direct movies, but if I did. If you direct Hercules, can I be Meg? Which one's Meg? She's the. Meg. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? I'll, I'll, I'll put you up to, to, to the producer. I, pre- I reckon Disney's pretty. Um, Michelle Brazier is going to get it. <laughs> They'll probably go like, oh, you, oh, we know who is playing Meg. And it's Michelle Brazier. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. This is emerging. <laughs> Because 100%, she'd be the perfect Meg. She would be a great Meg. That's what I mean. I'm not having a go. That's my best friend. I'm saying how wonderful it is that she's would be Meg. It's hypothetical. Let's not stunt. There is no beef <laughs> between Braz and I. We're very good friends. I'm saying she would make an excellent Meg and I would play the fat woman that makes Milan look like a woman at the start. Looks like no. a geisha. That would be me. You wouldn't be like I'm, I'd be Flounder in The Little Mermaid because I look like Flounder from The Little Mermaid. Oh, that's a great. That's and that's a voice job. That's that's, that's a voice a, job. This is and I, this is so. This is I think what we described as um, <laughs> that lady, the half day being like close to the best. Mm. The best job for an actor mm. is Leguizamo in this film which is, I would say, two half days of voice recording. Yeah. I reckon he came in, yep. he did he did it, and then maybe he, he did it. He wouldn't have had one. to do any green screen work because they're real animals. It's not like they did animation based on John's face. Because now, God, they'd put him in the little ball. Little, you know, the like little, little green things on his nipples and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and they'd be yeah. like, you will play the rat. And then he'd be like, mm. eh, no, thank He you. would just say no. He's like, I'm Sid from Ice Age, bitch. <laughs> I'm going to say no to this. I'm going to say no to this because I'll tell you why. And I'll go, why? And I'll go, I'm Sid from Ice Age. <laughs> I don't think. Like, think about that. Think I know that probably that. doesn't sound like much, but actually, th- ah, there. And then they, they'll, they'll realise, whoa, <laughs> what whoa, that's a big franchise. Like, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm Sid. I'm not just some mammoth, like some tiny role in Ice Age. I'm fucking Sid. I'm Sid. The arguably, arguably the most popular character in Ice Age. Maybe Everyone that squirrel it. that doesn't have a voice. I'm the What's most. called? The, that's a squirrel that yeah, chases yeah. after an acorn the whole time. Yeah, I love I that I guess we'll squirrel. find out the name when we watch the fucking movie. Oh, we're going to know. Yeah, it's There's too many Ice Age movies. <laughs> so many. I'm so scared. Um, um, but he, yeah, no, they, they uh, that's the primo job. Mm. I, I do just want to segue back to my um, my dream of one day directing uh, Hercules, the live action Hercules, starring it's Mish one of my favourites. Mish Wittrup, Mish um, Wittrup is Meg. I, I want to say that very clearly, it was not because I was considering anyone else. I just was saying that I, I think that on a movie of that scale, I would probably have to go through producers and some executives with the casting. <laughs> So I wouldn't want to promise anything to you now in a hypothetical sense on record. Yeah. I would want you to know that I would take you, I would, I would 
get you the audition. Yeah, this is very professional of you, Zach. Thank you. I would you. get you the audition. Yep. I would let you know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. But when push comes to shove, I'm going to be sitting at that table with Alan Horn. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to say... I think Alan Horn is going to love me. Absolutely. But I don't think... I, I think, you know, really, I think when you're a director of a movie like that, Mish... <laughs> You can, you, like the day players, I could definitely get you in. And you see that. You see that with the uh, with the Avengers guys. Mm-hmm. You know, the Avengers directors, they also directed a lot of episodes of Community. Yep. And they get, like, the Avengers cast in as person in the elevator going, oh, that's, you know, you can see that they have enough power to get them. that. That's the level they can get them in. Okay. So what I'm saying <laughs> is if I am ever a uh, high-profile Hollywood film director. Yeah. Yeah, I've got no credits. Yeah. <laughs> but if ever that were to happen. Yep. And if in that situation they haven't made a live action Hercules yet, I then get an opportunity to make a Disney movie. I pitch for Hercules, I get Hercules. Mm-hmm. I I promise you that I will I will give you every opportunity I can. <laughs> Thank you so much. I will fight for you Thank behind you. closed doors. Yep. But if Alan Horn says no. It's going to go to Zendaya, isn't that's it? That's going to Zendaya. <laughs> and I'll go, Alan. Um, I always lose out to Zendaya. <laughs> Zendaya takes all of my roles. Because this is what he's going to say. He's going to be like, I know you really liked Mish. I know you really wanted Mish. I know you've worked with Mish for years. But Zendaya is, um, you know, we've uh, got another film with her coming out the year after next. It's important that we keep her in the Disney family. And I would say to him, I'd say, oh, look, that, uh, if I'm being honest, I think Zendaya is fantastic for the part. <laughs> Probably the right choice. I, 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 if I wasn't clouded by my friendship, I definitely would have gone but with Zendaya. But then would you say, can Mish play woman in Elevator? Well, they were, yes, the equivalent of a woman yeah. in would, woman in um, maybe woman with uh, little urn urn woman, <laughs> woman with a with, stall woman with little urn stall uh, woman with urn stall. Uh, Can I have but, a line? But you know, look, if you work on your career enough, if you if you have enough social <laughs> media followers, I reckon uh, you know we could make a case for you playing uh, a, a gender swapped uh, Danny DeVito. Oh, I'd love that. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Oh, thank you. Okay, so if you're listening and you don't follow me on Instagram yet, please follow me on Instagram to ensure that I can play Philoctetes, <laughs> originally played by Danny DeVito, um, in the live-action version of Hercules directed by Zachary Ruane. So here's, here's how the – and just for the record, so it's on the record, I would put you up first for Meg – Mm-hmm. If if you don't get that, because <laughs> Zendaya's probably because they've given it to Zendaya at this point. <laughs> yes, um, and I and I would say to Alan, I would say I don't even think it is Alan Horn. I'd say to him, I'd go, can I can I be honest with you, Alan? I want I I want Zendaya. I want Zendaya. <laughs> um, but if Mish ever asks, say that I fought for her, and he'd go, of course. Mm. But how could Zendaya? And Do I'd you be think like, I'd be in the Zendaya kind of position where I can ask Alan, um, why didn't I get it? <laughs> like, 
I would never, especially if I'm playing woman with urn stall. It depends, Mish, on what your question is. Is your question? Hey, man, if I'm playing, if I'm playing woman with urn stall, I'm still happy. Yeah, I, I would love to. We talked about that. Yeah. The joy of the half day shoot. Yeah, because <laughs> obviously, if I'm playing woman with urn stall, the woman from Doctor Doolittle and Tu Wong Fu isn't playing woman with urn stall. No, absolutely. Oh, she would be good. Though. She would be so good at woman. Oh, with- Mish, you just <laughs> shot yourself in the foot. <laughs> Anyway, we should probably wrap this up. We've been doing this for so long. We Do have read. We we don't have reviews because this is the first. No, but we should just should we Instagram. just yeah we, should we just talk about the oh we did we talked about the rat he played a rat yeah, he played a rat that's great there's not much more to, to it I mean like he played a rat along with a, another rat. <laughs> um, that gets gas at one point. He says a couple of really witty things. He eats some garbage. And, um, yeah, he says a couple of, like, he kind of teases and taunts Doolittle throughout the movie. But he's not, a, like, I would describe him as a minor role. Oh, it's a cameo. It's a cameo. Let's put that in the cameo. But I will say this of John. Mm. He's a very good voice actor because you can't recognise his voice. No, no. Like, if I didn't know that John Leguizamo was in this film because I've researched it and I now do a podcast based on the filmography (laughs) of John Leguizamo, if I didn't know, I wouldn't have guessed it was John. No. Whereas you hear Rodney the guinea pig and you're like, that's Chris Rock. Yeah. You hear Lucky the dog and you're like, you you go, why was Norm MacDonald cast as that role? Um, You hear hear Prologue Dog and you're like, that's Ellen DeGeneres. Thanks for giving her a chance. Hollywood. <laughs> Thanks, Hollywood. Um, but you hear rat number two and you don't go, that is John Leguizamo from Super Mario Brothers fame. You don't do that. You you really I, – I think that that's uh, – A testament, really, because he's a very good voice actor. That's been my big uh, sort of lesson from all of this because right. we all know we love John. <laughs> <laughs> of course we do. Clearly we love John. We're not going into this because we have wishy-washy feelings about him. <laughs> What? John, if you're listening, mate, we didn't create this because we feel like ho-hum about you. We're genuine fans. So, yeah, of course we love John. I love the idea that he'd be an hour ten into this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we have talked about it for a total of 40 minutes. We talked about it for a total of 45 seconds. <laughs> um... But I, the, <laughs> um, John, John Leguizamo. But no, the, I think the biggest lesson that I'm at, like lesson number one, but this will be lesson number 20 because this isn't the first episode, is John Leguizamo, great voice actor. Great voice actor. Great voice actor. Fucking, we love John. We love John. <laughs> so, yes, it, as is probably established at this point, this is the section where maybe we read uh, reviews of the podcast mm. Uh, maybe we'll have changed. Couple of DMs it by then. if you have any comments you want to make, or yeah, but maybe our favourite comment to the Instagram at Mission Zach. Who knows? This will be this bit where we read reactions yeah. to the podcast that has been. But mm-hmm. because this is the pilot episode and we don't have anything, I just did a story on my on my um, Instagram mm-hmm. saying, "What do you love most about Doctor Doolittle, nineteen ninety eight? Yeah. Did you get a lot of replies? uh, Yeah, I got a few. I accidentally posted it (laughs) twice, which I've been wont to do a a few times. I I reckon there's probably a few people listening now going, oh, that's why he did that four months ago. Yeah, you have fans that that 
would remember that. I don't think they'd like have it like th- they'd go. It would spark back up. Yeah, it wouldn't be like, be like oh. they'd, every day they go. Although, do you think do that, that there's anyone right now who's looking at that video and going, ooh, I reckon his podcast with Mish is going to be it's going to be about someone in Dr. Doolittle. Do you know what I It's my, a Norm Macdonald <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's a Norm Macdonald podcast as an Eddie Murphy podcast. I reckon like maybe they're thinking, "Oh, it's a podcast about the second remake in a string of remakes." Oh, that's so good. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Next one. Next one. <laughs> <laughs> next one. String of remakes. No, is next one I reckon really we good. should do um I'd be really into doing like uh, little biographies of actors like Woman on Road at, from Tu Wong Fu and Doctor Doolittle. Yeah, that's little, a like, great bit part actors. Yeah. yeah, this is like we, we've celebrated the ultimate. Yeah, we've celebrated the ultimate. Should be more famous actor. I think, although I think, and we probably would have discussed this up until this point in the podcast as well. I think he's far more famous in America. He is. Yeah, and whereas in Australia, everyone I know that I've told about this podcast is like, who's that? And then you show a photo and they all go, oh. Everyone knows who you are, John. Yeah, Yeah. everyone knows who John Legger is. But even though he's big in America, the fact that he's not like, um, I'm sure we'll talk about this in the first, I'm sure we've already talked about this. (laughs) But I reckon like the fact that he's not like at, other famous actor level. I can't think of an example. Robert Downey Jr. He should be at Robert Downey Jr. level, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Because that's Minus how much the we black tie heroin. Minus the black tie heroin. Um, so what have you got? What are some answers to your okay, question? Okay, this is great. What, There's some great answers. This what was the question from, again? What do you like most about Dr. Doolittle? What do you love most about Dr. Doolittle, open bracket, 1998, close bracket? Because I didn't want them saying Rex Harrison is yeah. in it or um, the tonal inconsistencies due to large rewrites so they don't lose too much of their $200 million. Yes. Because that would be the wrong Dr. Doolittle. That would be the wrong Dr. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I were to read this and, and it were to say, I loved the little comedic lines that were re- – Okay. So uh, it's Trev said he actually does so much – a slight nod to the fact that his name is Doc is Doolittle, yet it should be Doolotta. Very good. Very good. Very good. It's Trev. That's very, very good, Trev. Robert Downey Jr. Okay, so the actual Grinch uh, is being a bit of a smart ass there. Okay, thank you. Uh, already made that joke, yeah, so we're, we're one step ahead of you. We're, oh, pro- we're actually professionals, um, so we got there. We got way there before you. Grinch. Way before you. Um, oh, Gina Ingham said, uh, how many VHFs copies you can find in Australian op shops? That's good. That's very Gina's good. great, actually. Yes, yes. Yeah, she's quite active. She loves the pot. She loved recaps. I don't know if she Maybe fucking she loves this. Maybe she doesn't love this one. Maybe she hates it. Gina, if you're out there and you're hearing this, thank, let us know if you still support. enjoy our podcast stuff. Thank you so much for your support. You're a big supporter of recaps. Bloody hope you're a supporter of Leguizamarama. Um, so there's a lot of people saying... Um, uh, uh, you know, saying someone else has said the Doolittle comment. Uh, okay. The quality content released by 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment. Okay. Great. Because as, as as it's worth noting, there are many sequels to yes. this film. Did you pick up on the hint, the, like the seed of a sequel in The Daughter? No. So in the in – Doctor. In, oh, in, yes, the, I did, yes. The Daughter's like – He's weird like me. And the dad's like, oh. Yeah. The implication. And then I was like, well, that's 
why did they do the $200 million yeah. Robert Downey Jr. thing? Why didn't they have uh, an actress now, like a, a, maybe a Zendaya, <laughs> playing the adult version, yeah. although she'd be 30? No, but I think that actually does happen in a sequel. And then I realised that Dr. Doolittle 3 straight to video is about mm. the daughter. Yeah, gotcha. But wouldn't that be a great... You know how that's the big thing now is the sequel that ignores the sequels you don't know? Yes. And pretends that it's the direct sequel? Yes. That's that's what they should have done. 100%. Not the Robert Downey Jr. It's um, a 30-year-old actress is the new Dr. Doolittle. Yeah, that would go down really, really well, I can imagine. And then... And think it, about all those die-hard Doctor Who, I mean Doctor Doolittle fans, that would be so mad if a woman... But you say it's the daughter and Eddie Murphy's in it. He's in it as like he passes the baton. Would he agree to be in something like that? Uh, I would offer him millions of dollars. Okay. If I was making it. He might do it if he's playing the father of Zendaya. (laughs) (laughs) But let me tell you, Mish, (laughs) let me tell you, I would fight so hard for you to play Dr. Doolittle. Oh, thank you so much as Eddie Murphy's daughter. And then when and then when Alan Horn <laughs> says to me, "What about Zendaya?" I would go, "Probably, probably, probably better Zendaya." But if you want to be old lady, going, "What are you doing with that hamster?" Thanks, babe. I'm I'm there for you, That's mate. That's really nice. Uh, there's just a lot of you know the comedic timing. Uh, there's a lot of do little jokes. So I'm so sorry if we didn't read yours out first. Um. But, you know, that's that's a good gag. Mm. Let me just, you know, look, th- th- this is all really good stuff. The sequels. Um, Did it make you want to watch the second movie? Because John Leguizamo wasn't in the second Doctor Doolittle. I was a bit sad that he wasn't in the second that's, one. I had the same reaction because I finished Doctor Doolittle 1 and it was an enjoyable watch because it's 90 minutes of drivel bullshit. So and it's just not like, the sort of movie you would watch no. as, a, as a childless 30-year-old. A hundred percent. Um. But then when it got to the end, it's like, well, I'm not going to watch Dr. Doolittle 2 now. No. Because what's the fucking point? John Leguizamo's not in it and I have so much Grey's Anatomy to watch. I'm about to watch 50 fucking Ice Ages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you think I'm really going to start watching <laughs> extracurricular Dr. Doolittle, Dr. Doolittle 2? Or straight to video Dr. Doolittle 3. I- but I was kind of sad because I'm like, I want to, you know, it's a, it was a bit of an enjoyable time. Because that's a that is very much a thing. Like I think the last time a movie like this was made was Now You See Me Two is the last example I can think of of mm. mid budget. Let's give it a shot. Film that does better than they thought it would. Mm. So let's make a sequel within a year to capitalize off that. But that sort of sequel is a very rare. T- now, if it's a sequel, it's they knew there was going to be a sequel from the start. You know what I mean? They don't really yes. do that type of sequel anymore because if if the mid budget movie is a dying breed, the sequel to the successful yeah. is like gone. Kind of like American Pie. American Pie. That's a really good because that one American Pie was so successful. They then released a sequel which was successful. And then mm. they were like, well, let's release Heat. Let's make it an entire, like, I think there's about six movies that are American Pie movies. Well, they got to American Pie Presents. Yeah. Full on. Crazy. There was like American Pie Bandcamp that doesn't have anyone except Eugene Levy from the original cast. Do you know, fun fact, I don't know if I should say this fun fact because it might push us to not being able to release this until things have been announced on my end. Fun fact, I was doing a project. Yep, good. 
and we were looking at sets for it. We were looking at studios to shoot this project mm-hmm. at, a web series, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it's been announced by now. And um, while we were there, we were just walking around to look. They were filming an American Pie straight to video, an American Pie Presents. Oh, my God. And they were like, oh, this is, this is here, this is there. And they're like, of course, they're, they're filming American Pie Presents. Oh, God, that makes me feel ill. It was, it was very funny. It was very, like, uh, well, I didn't see it. it was it's just... very dated now. I watched the sequel the other week, actually. Well, this yeah. is an all-girls version Ooh. of American Pie. So it's about girls losing their virginity. Oh, cute. So just a really traumatic <laughs> film. <laughs> it's a horror. <laughs> Uh, I thought it would be better than that. Yeah, just a bunch of like just disappointed women. (laughs) I love, I love. um, (laughs) Did I tell you? I I think I made this point on the Donna podcast. I think I've made it elsewhere. So apologies if I'm repeating myself. But there was a um, there was a thing that that was a big genre in the in the late nineties, and I hope Leguizamo was in one of them. Was after American Pie did well. The rip-off movies, you know, like your road trips and your those sorts of films. And one of the things I love more than anything about those films is American Pie is a very funny, gross movie. And then at the end, the sex scenes are quite lovely. They're quite tender, and yes, most of them. They're some all to Big Runga. At the end of every 90s movie based for, like, 18-year-old boys, there is an intimate sex scene to a Bikranga song. <laughs> Who's Bikranga? She, she sings Sway. Oh. <laughs> well, this is exactly right. So they earn it. So, so, so American Pie is dirty, 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 and then they earn quite a – and it's like, oh, yeah, that's quite a sweet film yeah. and structurally that sound. And then all the movies that ripped them off were like – Oh, that's so funny. The big runga layer. They were just like, they were just like, so the, the, the key to a successful teen movie is gross out comedy, sexy 27 year olds playing 17 year olds mm-hmm. and um, a tender touching, not funny sex scene to big runga. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a scene and I'm sure I've said this cause I've watched it with, with uh, auntie Donna. So I'm sure I said this on a Donna somewhere else with Donna, but there's a scene in, um, Road Trip, where that whole movie is about a guy cheating on his girlfriend, filming it and accidentally sending the tape. So, But they have the sex scene. That's such a fucked premise. It's so fucked up. It's Amy Smart, <laughs> yeah, it's who's just, like the ultimate guy, um, 2000s babe. What's his name? Brendan. Brandon. Oh, yeah. From Brick. Yeah. <laughs> and it's got Tom Green in it. Yeah. <laughs> The ultimate. Yeah. In, there's so many people in this that are like in oh. our category, the Leguizamo category of yeah. underrated character actors. But he, uh, but oh, Tom Green's a bit not rated, Green. eh? Like- not Tom Green. There's nothing underrated about Tom Green. <laughs> but the guy from Brick is. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, but, the, the, but they've took the, the scene where he fucks Amy Smart. <laughs> And then films it and then sends it to his girlfriend. The scene where he does that, because they're like, oh, like American Pie, it's really tender and beautiful. <laughs> it's just a scene at the start of this movie. It's like, oh, you've taken the uh, ingredients but not read the recipe. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favourite layer. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, very good. Oh. 
Uh, that was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I think we're, we're going to get there, Zach. <laughs> Hopefully by the time you guys are listening to this, we already have and we've just taken a big step backwards. <laughs> I reckon that's an all right middle of the road yeah, one. Yeah, do you reckon that, that like, that's, a good, that's a good starting point? Yes, yeah. But not for the listener, I, I hope you had a good time yeah. getting a little taste a lot of, of what it was like at the start. Have, as we probably already established what our structure is. Yeah. And you guys, have been, th- those of you who are listening are enjoying that structure. Once you've gotten to this episode, they stop listening after 10 minutes because like, oh, it's the pilot. Fuck that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is the pilot. And I think, look, I don't think it needs it, but I definitely can see a situation where we give it the little precursor. Yeah. I think that'd be I'm cute. really excited about a little precursor. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Hi, guys. Uh, it's me, Mish. Uh, we, we will be returning to our regular <laughs> podcast structure, but this one's just for you. <laughs> a, hey, uh, Zach here. Bit of a fun one this week. <laughs> um, This might be my favourite, but for multiple reasons. Is it the funniest? No. Is it a bit loose? Yes. But it is the first one we've ever did. Just a heads up, we did record this on an aeroplane. <laughs> so uh, the, the loud drone of the aeroplane engine is underneath it, um, but I think it was still so good that we had to keep it. Honestly, my favourite by far. <laughs> Love this one. Uh, Mish, thank you so much. Thank uh, you, Zach. Thank you. And i uh, We'll see you next week. Yeah. I don't know if we, we... We haven't established if we sign off on anything yet, so... No, we didn't decide <laughs> on a sign-off, but I'm sure it's going to be... We, I haven't checked this with you, but I reckon pretty confidently it's going to be this. See you later from Mission Zach. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.